Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is a show that we do every year, and we usually incorrectly call it the best jazz of, say, 2022 or whatever year it's been. What we really mean is our favorite jazz, and what we really mean by our is not so much me, I don't get to pick anything, but three jazz musicians slash savants who have been doing this with us now for a really long time. And we are so thrilled that they come back every single year. And, you know, for me, it's a thing where I kind of fall in love with music that I just wasn't aware of. It's my chance, really, to kind of brush up on a genre I love, but I don't always have time for. Maybe that's you, too. So get ready. I guarantee you, you'll fall in love with two or three things today. the jazz singer and composer Carmen Lundy, and that should be a clue to you that this is our annual year in jazz review, sometimes referred to as the Seymours. It's like the Tonys or the Grammys or something like that. With us is our eternal panel. They're always with us for this. Jen Allen, pianist, composer, arranger, educator, and her most recent album is Sifting Grace. Noah Behrman is a pianist, composer, and educator, and his most recent album, which may or may not be discussed today, spoiler, it will be, is with Henry Lugo. It's called Alter Ego. Gene Seymour is the mayor, the mayor of the year in jazz, and he is a writer, professional, spectator, pop culture maven, and jazz geek. So what we'll do, we're going to talk about nine songs today that come from albums released in 2022. The first one was from Carmen Lundy. This is a Noah Behrman pick called Shine a Light from the album Fade to Black. Carmen Lundy. Noah, Carmen Lundy's been around kind of like as long as any of us have, except she's been singing the whole time, right? Decades and decades? She's been singing the heck out of uh, music for decades and decades. And it's interesting, I actually by coincidence just heard her perform recently and she is truly ageless the the amount of energy she brings to the stage and as you can hear to the studio is really remarkable and yet there's the the wisdom and depth and maturity that comes from all of the experience she's gathered along the way 
So these are, the album's 11 originals, and I think they are sort of reflections on, on life and, and, and history, and they include a whole bunch of terrific musicians, including a name we seem to be saying a lot these days, guitarist Andrew Renfro, who was a pick by John Allen last year for his album, and he's actually on another album we'll be talking about a little bit later today. But So yeah, let's uh, hear from the rest of you. So uh, Jen Allen, I assume you're also aware of this album, and give us your thoughts about it. Yeah. I, and as you just said, I love Andrew, I love his playing, and I think this band really allows him to kind of put his own voice in there, and I think that that's why she hires him. And the band is phenomenal. The players bring a new, fresh kind of take to this music, and I love it, so yeah. So, uh, Mr. Mayor, I mean, we got a lot of vocalists this year, and particularly if you step back and look at everybody's, we're like, we're dealing dealing with everybody's top three. If you looked at the top ten, I think we'd even pick up a few more vocalists here. But so, what's going on? Are jazz vocals like having a good time? I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly why. More so this year than others. There's always there's always a good crop. Sometimes not as much of a crop as in say the year like this. Like everybody else, I'm inclined to blame or credit the pandemic for certain certain trends becoming extant and perhaps because singing has always been kind of a gateway to jazz in general. There's all this pent up energy that has somehow burst forth or at least pent up attentiveness to the human voice that may account for some of this emergence because as we said we got we got a lot of singers this year yeah you know? so well, anything you want to say specifically about carmen oh um, I, I can't add much to what everybody else has i mean she she's one of these people who have always been there somehow i don't want to say that i've been around so long that, that i've taken her for granted but i have taken her for granted and it's really kind of an awkward thing to be able to say that you take, you know, gifts such as hers for granted because she has such a wonderfully, I don't want to use the word sultry because I guess I think it's overused too much, but she always brings those qualities to what she does. And the fact that these are originals, you know, is what makes this so exciting because music has needed more original material from everywhere. And and again, we're going to get into that more Mm -hmm. as we talk about more of these vocalists. There's something very satisfying and appropriate, I think, that we're starting out with her. All right. Well, we're going to zig and zag right along here. You know, every year, I think there are uh, at least a couple of albums that if they didn't get picked by one of the panelists, they would have gotten picked by one of the other ones. One of those albums, I believe, is a new one by the saxophonist Miguel Zenon. album Musica de las Americas. This is one of Jen's picks. I know that the mayor would have picked it otherwise. Tainos y Carib. I hope I'm saying all this stuff correctly. And if I'm not, please forgive me. The music speaks for itself anyway. We should say that Miguel Zenon is a native of Puerto Rico, still very plugged into the Puerto Rican music scene and to life in Puerto Rico. He's a Guggenheim fellow and a MacArthur fellow. 
not too many of those out there. So, Jen, tell us uh, why this one won your heart. There's not many albums that when I hear the first track and the first notes that my ears and perk up and like I get a little bit of chills. And just like Luis Perdomo, the pianist, always kind of makes my heart just like want to burst out of my chest because I love his playing and he's kind of a genius. And then Miguel's music on this just, I couldn't stop listening to this album. That doesn't happen a ton with me. And so it had to be one of my picks. The music is high level. It's very difficult, but they make it sound so easy and just fluid. And I love the narrative that Miguel puts into the music. He's he's a musician who is so very thorough. I got to see him at the Jack conference, which is just the International Society of Jazz Composers and Rangers, Arrangers and Composers. Excuse me. And um, he was the guest speaker. Getting to hear him speak just made me just like fall in love with him a little bit more as a composer because he he does the research. You know, he, he is so into the culture of Puerto Rico, not just Puerto Rico, but of, of a lot of the Americas. Uh, and like, the, if you read all the liner notes for this album, it kind of tells you about it. And so I don't need to kind of rehash that out. You can just go on Bandcamp purchase it, hmm. read all the notes that he said, but he is, is somebody who wants to do the research on the music and then bring it out and you can hear it in there. And it's just such high quality that I, I just love it. Yeah. We should say that he has a longtime quartet that is represented on this album, but also some interesting special contributors, including an illustrious Puerto Rican ensemble called Los Planeros de la Cresta. And so Mr. Mayor, you know, I think this is also certainly on your top 10, might have been in your top three if you didn't get Jen to cover it for you. And I feel like he's been on lists for our show every year. I don't think he's ever sort of been the final three of anybody, but like I just know we've had conversations about him before. And I don't know that much about any of this stuff, but I noticed that the way he plays saxophone, it's trying, at times he seems like he's just wringing every possibility out of this instrument. I think I said in, the, in my e- initial emails, I bet you the saxophone just gets tired at a certain point. Oh, please, just put me down for a couple hours. I can't do this stuff anymore. But he's, he's really inventive in how he plays. Well, he's like I say, he's a, he's a he's certainly a perennial on my list over over the last decade, last decade and a half at least, and uh, but always makes him interesting. Besides the fact that you know exactly who it is the minute he plays. I mean, I mean, Jen's right. You hear the first two notes, and you you know exactly who it is, and you know exactly what he's going to do, and then you're surprised by what he does do. He's one of those very rare individuals who leads with his learning. And he has incredible, incredible intellectual resources, great grasp of the history and the heritage of his sound, not just of Puerto Rico, but also the rest of Latin and Central America and South American music. But 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 he he never you never feel an intellect coming at you, you know? It's all viscera when it comes at you. And yet, even as you're feeling the emotional impact. You're learning something. I mean, you're absorbing something that's beyond just the intellectual and the contextual stuff. Uh, you're you're feeling the force of that history. You're feeling the 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 soul of that history when he plays. And and as his placement this year indicates, 
he just gets better and better at sustaining that mixture. Yeah, so Noah Behrman, I'm interested in getting your reactions. I also feel like, just to build on what the mayor was just saying, too, I feel like in recent years we've had a lot of conversations like this, where an artist has decided to focus on history or some kind of conceptual way of deriving meaning out of the experience, particularly of the Americas. So what happens when they took all the drums away in Trinidad, you know, things like that. So I'm kind of not surprised to hear this particular concept, but tell me more about what you thought of it, about it. Well, I think one of the reasons why musicians do musician things is because there's something that they're thinking about or feeling, and there's just an insatiable need to express it. Carmen Lundy's originals on her record are a great example of that. And whatever that might be, and this is where Miguel's mind was taking him. And I, I think if it's not taking too much of a left turn, I also want to shout out his band, um, in addition to Luis uh, Hans again on bass and Henry Cole on drums. I feel like even before the pandemic, it was pretty difficult to keep a working band together just because there's fewer gigs. And so to have a group that's that skilled and that tightly knit also provides this extra layer of possibility for a composer band leader to be that expressive, that thoughtful, that studious, and still be able to lean into, as Gene put it, the, the visceral nature of creating passionate music without worrying that the technical side of it is going to fall apart because of an inadequately rehearsed band. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about that more, I think, with Jonathan Barber, too, is in a similar situation. But let's get over to one of the mayor's picks. This is another one I just feel like it could have been everybody's. Ryan Keverly's Collective do Brasil. I'm going to I'm going to mispronounce so many different things in so many different languages today. It's going to be exciting. The gene pick is Cio da Terra. This is from the album Sonios da Esquina. And this is very specifically kind of Brazilian collective. We should say Ryan Keverly is a trombonist was a Jen Allen pick in 2016 and is also appears in one of Jen's favorite albums from this year, Harmonic Alchemy. But this is from his own collective... Seymour, tell us about uh, this album and why you fell in love with it. Well, I want to start out by once again thanking profusely my colleague, JCA, I'm going to start calling her, you know, because she was the one who turned me on to this guy six years ago right now. And uh, when this album came my way, because of that, I put it in and I had trouble taking it out of my machine because of passages like that. This is a group of musicians in Brazil that Ryan Keverly, he heads the jazz department at Hunter College. He went down to Brazil several years ago to sort of absorb the sounds and uh, broaden his perspective and gather more resources. And he met this rhythm section and uh, they together put these wonderful, wonderful combinations of harmonies and, and sounds. A lot of them derive from some of the songwriters, the great songwriters of Brazil, like Milton Nascimento and people like that. And uh, even though they're all great musicians, the thing that keeps coming to the foreground is this incredibly limpid vocal style of Ryan Keberly, which, yes, <laughs> has long been associated with some of the great trombonists, from J.J. Johnson to Hartford's own Steve Davis. 
but also something very, very unusual and something something very, very distinctive that I just don't get from too many people on that instrument. So I know he has other groups that he's done, including I guess Jen's going to mention one of them, but there's something that makes you wonder why nobody else seems to know, not as many people know where these beautiful sounds are coming from and where they've been going and where they've been probing over the last several years. Yeah, I do want to say that, you know, one thing that I do, I take a lot of the stuff that's from your your top 10 lists and I make a playlist. And this time I just kind of added it to a playlist that had a lot of stuff from previous shows that we've done together and then put it all on shuffle. And then I would sort of have it in my office when I'm working and my head would pop up from time to time. And like, you know, 75% of the time it was a Ryan Keverly cut. There's something about him, something about the way he plays and the music he composes and the way he works with people that just grabs your attention right away. But Noah, you should chime in here too. Ryan, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that I've never put you in my top three for one of these shows yet. One of these years. Seriously, I'm a big fan of his music too. And it is interesting how eclectic he is playing with ostensibly pop musicians doing straight ahead jazz doing latin jazz doing third stream sort of classical crossover stuff and i find it really interesting and this is true of other great polymaths also how there's something unique about his conception that you hear come through in all these settings even as he's able to adapt to the aesthetic and technical needs of whatever the music is he's engaging in at that moment. All right, Jen, I mean, you're already on the record about Ryan Keberly, but anything you want to say specifically about this album? I mean, he's an amazing musician. This wasn't one of my topics, but I love this album too. I liked his Reverso album. He had another album come out this year, which is in another kind of realm, like more in that classical crossover, but it's great. So check him out if you haven't listened to Ryan Keberly. Yeah, Reverso, we should say, I think the titular artist is Harmonic Harmonic Alchemy, which is, you know, uh, once again, another kind of collective. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go Team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health.
That is a cut from Allison Miller and Carmen Staff. We're going to tell you all about that. The cut's called Dan Dan from the album Nearness. A lot of really good noodling on Dan Dan. You see what I did there? And so this is one of Noah Behrman's picks. Just a reminder, this is our year in jazz, our favorite stuff. You know, I don't think we call it the best. We call it our favorite. Our favorite stuff from the year in jazz with Jen Allen, Noah Behrman, and the mayor, Gene Seymour. So, Noah, tell us about the album, about the artists, and why you fell in love with it. So I guess in in that order, uh, it's a duo album by Allison is a drummer and Carmen is a pianist. They're both great composers with eclectic resumes. Allison is a member of Artemis, which is a group that was one of the picks on this show a couple of years ago, but has also played in a lot of different settings. She was Natalie Merchant's drummer for a good while. And piano drum duo albums are not common. Duo albums aren't super common, but especially piano and drums with no bass. It's a really tricky environment to make it sound full without the pianist uh, overplaying to fill in what else would be there. And I honestly don't know how they make it sound so full without being overwrought, but it's just really soulful, interactive playing and gorgeous compositions. You totally don't miss the other instruments that abstractly could be there at all. And I just the first time I heard it, I, I kind of the way Jen described her reaction to Miguel Zanon's record. I just basically had to stop what I was doing and absorb the whole thing, which I've enjoyed doing many times since. Yeah, actually, I think in terms of being um, a drummer for Natalie Merchant, she's often referred to as the 10,001st maniac. Um, <laughs> it's like being the fifth Beatle. So, yeah, Jen Allen, uh, how about this uh, album? Was it on your radar before Noah steered it towards us? Yes, but I, I didn't actually, you know, I hear about so many people's music, but sometimes I don't get to it right when it comes out. And so it was like a reminder of like, oh, yeah, I need to check this out because I know Carmen and I have a, so much respect for her. She is kind of a beast on the piano. She just, <laughs> she just knows what to do and when to do it. And anybody who's worked with her or heard her knows she's amazing. I'm less familiar with Allison, but like, you know, I know who she is. So it's it's just kind of like getting re-familiar. So thank you to know to like bring it back on my radar and like get to check it out. And yeah, piano duo with drums is terrifying as a pianist. I'd be like, ah, but <laughs> that's so, so normal. Yeah. How about you, Mr. Mayor? Well, first of all, I, I have been a fan of Allison Miller's for quite a long time. As a matter of fact, I only found out after I became a fan of Allison Miller that she had any relationship with Natalie Merchant. That came as a surprise to me. Not a surprise, but it's just that, you know, we, we come from many places, as they say. And uh, for some reason, this this past year, I've been paying a lot of attention to the sound qualities or or, or the tone colors of drummers, of trap sets, and the way drummers have been getting some of those diverse tones to work as always a frontline instrument. Now, I, I know you, you you can get carried away with making the drum too much of a frontline instrument because, after all, the chief obligation is to keep time, which, of course, she does spectacularly well. That's the other thing about her that uh, doesn't get talked about very much. But I have always paid close attention to what she's been doing. And on this, I love it when she gets the chance to really show her range, her expressive range, as I hesitate to say melodist, because that sounds like a strange thing to say, but I think as as somebody who knows how to play with 
the front end of tonal expression. I think she's somebody who bears some scrutiny for being able to do the things that she does. Uh, and by the way, all this stuff is, we'll try to you know put all the <laughs> names of everything up on the website. So go to ctpublic.org slash Colin, whatever. And there were so many other things this year. It was I, I'm a big fan of a guy named Ben Sidron who's been playing piano for a million years. And he put out a new album this year and there's a beautiful cover of Laura. Also, I was really intrigued by Kurt Rosenwinkel's led Chopin project. I thought that was a classical jazz thing. I, I, that was, I'm staying with that. I'm listening to that a lot. But another one, this is a Jen Allen pick. This one is going to be on my playlist for a really long time. It's by Jonathan Barber and Vision Ahead. So one of the fun things about doing these shows year after year after year with this same trio of guests is there starts to be a lot of crossover and overlap and you start recognizing names from previous years. But we should first of all say, Jen, that Jonathan Barber and this album, this is a real Hartford, Jackie McLean Institute of Jazz kind of story. To Noah's point earlier, this is another ensemble, most of whom have been together for a really long time since their days at heart, including Andrew Renfro, who we seem to be talking about a lot. And then they added Godwin Lewis or Godwin Louis, I don't even know how he says his name, but he was highlighted on our 2019 show as well. So he he's in this group. And this thing was recorded at Hartford's Parkville Sounds, too. So a very, very Hartford album, but also really, really cool. I just, Jen, I've been loving this album so much, but say what attracted you. Well, I'm a little biased. I mean, <laughs> Matt Dwanzik and Jonathan Barber are people I've worked with for a long time. So I love their music. I play with them as much as I possibly can. And I used to play with Andrew when he lived in the area. He now lives in California. So there's a lot of like nepotism. I don't know if it is, but whatever, it doesn't matter. I love their playing and I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> but Jonathan made this album. Vision Head is kind of his group. This is his third album. They always have a really nice sound. I love how Tabor plays on the keyboards on this one, on the roads, and it has a really unique sound that has that band kind of coming together and making a sound that they love together, even though J.B. Jonathan is like the, the leader of it all. There is something to be said for playing with other musicians a lot. There's nothing that really can compare to that interaction, the communication. It's just like having your best friend walk up and they know just by the look in your face how you're feeling and they can just sense what's going on. That's what happens in the musical realm and you get magic that happens when you hear bands like that. And they're all high level musicians, creative, kind, wonderful human beings. So it's definitely on my list. 
Yeah, there's a lot of warmth in this thing. We should, I don't know if we made it clear, Jonathan Barber's a drummer. And yes, the core quartet, well, it's a quintet now, but four of the five players went to Jackie McLean Institute of Jazz and then moved to New York together. I think they were sharing an apartment in Harlem at one point. All right, Mr. Mir, why don't you chime in and talk a little bit about this album? Well, first of all, we were, as we were assembling this, we were wondering if we were going to have uh, a Jan Allen pick that was going to be the transcendent pick that, that that's gonna that's gonna change our lives do we have a winner here is this the one i think this is pretty close yeah i mean it yeah, is, is, this, is this the one okay because like i i, I it, it feels like it it felt like this is the one jonathan barber has been on my radar for quite a while actually not just because of the hartford connection but because you know i picked him up over the years on different other albums and things and uh he has some of that same quality i referred to with allison miller earlier and I also think that's something that could also be said for the other people in this group. There is something really, really eerily enveloping about the kind of sound they create together collectively. This is definitely a winner. All right. So, yeah, Noah, I'm sure you want to build on some of what's been said so far. Sure. Yeah. And it's a lovely record, as the first two also are, were, are. And I guess sort of piggybacking also on what Jen was saying about how much these folks have played together. I think about how Jonathan and Carmen Staff played on Chris Allen's wonderful new record and Jonathan and Chris played, and Andrew, I think, played on Matt Dwanzik's new album, which is also lovely. And there's this extraordinary cross-pollination, which honestly, as, I'm, as we're talking about it, is one of the things that made me want to become a jazz musician in the first place, just that level of community. And it's beautiful to see how it's manifesting with some of these young musicians who I've been hearing about since they were, and hearing since they were students, all grown up now and making really mature, soulful music. All right, so uh, we're going to segue from there to uh, one of Gene Seymour's picks. This is the vocalist Samara Joy. This is Nostalgia, parentheses, the day I knew, from the album Linger a While. Again, by the vocalist Samara Joy. I figured after all this time and all these years together, all the memories made that you would be tired by now. It should have grown dull or stagnant. But with each passing day, there's never a moment I regret saying hello, miss. How you doing? I would like to know you. You brushed me off immediately, gave me the coldest shoulder I've ever received, which made me want to get to know you even more. That's when I ran into you at the bookstore. Your hair pinned back while... Mr. Mir, this is a really interesting album by a pretty, a fairly new vocalist. She's got a big TikTok following, which is something that's entered every phase of, of creation these days. And what we just heard here was something called Vocalese, which she does on a couple of cuts, not all of them, where she's basically transcribing a well-known solo and writing lyrics to it and singing those lyrics. But the album is kind of, it's got a mix of different things, right? She kind of takes a pretty straight ahead approach to some songs and, and then does stuff like this as well. Yeah, I, I feel mortified to say that I, I, I approach this with the kind of bias of, oh boy, somebody in their 20s who's working within the tradition. How new is that? But as soon as, I, again, it's one of those things when you first hear the recording come up and you are struck, first of all, by the incredible depth of, 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 of her vocal quality and, and how so much more mature she sounds than a 23-year-old should sound. And not just in the depth of tone, but also in the choice that she makes 
and how she chooses to invent vocally, how she turns to carry the vocalese tradition, because you can always get caught up, a lot of young singers get caught up in the sheer exuberance of invention for its own sake. But she's not just doing that. I mean, she's actually listening to the words that she either she's inventing or the words of the original the text of the song, both melodically and lyrically. You know, this is this is only her second album, but from what I understand, TikTok is one thing. But if, if my correspondents are right, she is having an, an impact. You know, all over the place since this album came out, from all ages and all levels of jazz fandom. She's, I don't think you should call her a sensation exactly, but she's pretty close. Yeah. So I just, I don't usually weigh in too much on these things, but I do, I love vocals. And she does uh, Can't Get Out of This Mood, which is, you know, a Frank Lesser, Jimmy McHugh tune that I think should be done more. I think people are a little bit intimidated by the Nina Simone version, but it's just a great song. The singers that sing it more, she does, I think, a pretty straightforward version of that. She also does I'm Confessing, and there she's also doing some vocalese, transcribing a 1952 Lester Young solo and creating lyrics for it. But, you know, I'm Confessing, it always sounds to me like it was written like last week. It was written in 1930. <laughs> but there's, it's so modern sounding. You hear Liz Wright or somebody sing it, and you think, oh, that must be some new song by somebody. No, no, no. It's been around forever. So, so, yeah, Noah, why don't you get us going? Give us uh, your thoughts about Samara Joy. Yeah, it's uh, lovely to hear, I guess, once again, someone especially young here playing that mature or performing that maturely. I said playing partly because I was thinking of Pasquale Grasso, the guitarist and uh, primary He's collaborator great. on He's the record, great. who also put out a really nice album this year. But yeah, I, when I, I, I enjoyed this record, and then when I heard the track that Jean picked and heard her do this Fats Navarro solo, and I'm like, oh, who wrote that vocalese? And I looked it up and realized that she had done it herself, which only added to my admiration. Yeah, she took a jazz transcription class from the trumpet player John Fattis, and I think that's kind of what turned her on to a lot of this stuff. So, Jen, you get the last word about Samara Joy, at least for now. I guess I'll just push back a little bit on the word mature. I don't think that just maturity makes anybody a good musician and i i think in in all realms of music we focus so much on people's age and i i feel like that does us a disservice of just listening to music for music's sake the music she makes is beautiful it has a depth to it that is i think what we're trying to say but i i just personally hate that we focus so much on somebody's age and I sometimes cringe when I see standards on albums too much, which is funny because my next album has lots of standards on it. <laughs> but this one, you know, I love it because standards are beautiful. But what can happen is the musicians don't put a lot of interesting stuff in there and it can just be playing a standard, which for me, I don't want to do. I don't want to listen to. That's just my personal opinion. But when she does it, it has that kind of depth that I I am pulled in and I'm like reawakened, like you all just said, to how lovely a song is again and how much I like that song. I think, I think it takes a lot of courage to cover Misty because this has been done so many times and stuff like that. She she covers it. I have a through line. She covers Misty, which is an Errol Garner tune with a Johnny Burke lyric, and Noah and Henry Lugo cover But Beautiful, which is a Burke and Van Heusen song. I noticed these things because when I was a little boy, I met Johnny Burke. All right, we'll take a little break. We'll come back. Perfection, heaven's very essence, I believe you're all I'll ever need. Long as I live, I'll love you for all eternity. And I'm so glad you chose me. 
I've got to thank some people. Let's start with Kat Pastor. She's our technical producer. And then the person who makes it all happen and makes sure it does happen is Jonathan McNichol, the producer every year of this Best in Jazz. Favorite, favorite jazz. We're changing the name. Favorite jazz of 2022. We have our guest, Gene Seymour, the mayor, and the wonderful pianists and educators and composers, Noah Behrman and Jen Allen. We're going to go back here with one of Noah's picks. I'm going to continue to mispronounce words. And so, uh, Martin Bejarano, this is a Noah pick, as I said, Mi Cafetal, by Martin Bejarano, featuring Roxana Ahmad from the album Cuban American. This is a hashtag Cuban American. Noah, this album's uh, turning out to be a lot of fun for me. Tell me about it and why you picked it. Well, partly I was cheating a little bit because uh, Martin's album and Roxana Ahmed's own album, Unanime, that came out this year are both really standout records for me and have the same core rhythm section of uh, Bayrano, Ludwig Alfonso on drums and Edward Perez on bass, who are all Miami-based musician, as is Roxana. And I, I first heard uh, Martin play in Roy Haynes's band, playing really fiery straight ahead stuff. So it's not like he, as with Miguel Zenon, it's not like he's a quote, Latin unquote musician at the exclusion of being musically multilingual. Um, but I just found this to be an extremely soulful album. And like some of the other stuff we've discussed, it's at times technically stunning as he is, but also really lyrical and expressive. And we're a little pressed for time, but I want to hear uh, from both of you, uh, Jen, uh, any particular take you want to give us? I was completely unaware of most of these musicians before Noah brought it to my attention. So I'm just grateful for that because it's always lovely to hear about new musicians who are, are making music at a high level and that can inspire me. So I'm grateful for that. And Mr. Mayor. Liz Ayed was also on my radar this year among the many vocalists who were uh, out there this past year. Uh, I, I like that album a lot, too. I wasn't as familiar with this one, but I got to say, it really does kind of you know grab, grab you by your coat, as you say, because of the very strong and assertive. And, and again, we should probably say that, you know, there we are. Vocal and Latin seem to be the big the big deals for the past year. And Maybe again, that's part of coming back or recovering our connection to jazz and, and having these two primal forces just sort of push us back to why we like the music in the first place and what we get from it emotionally and viscerally. So uh, speaking of uh, finding out about new mus- musicians, this is certainly the case with Jen's pick. I don't know how you say this guy's name. Is it Noah B- Byerman? B- Bayer? Barman, uh, Noah Behrman, I guess, and Henry Lugo. This is one of Jen's picks. It's Caravan from the album Alter Ego by Noah Behrman and Henry Lugo. Thank you. 
in. Who is this guy? I've never heard of him. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard Noah, you are in for a masterclass on number one, how to play the piano, and number two, how to play some jazz standards, and number three, what jazz history and music history period is. I didn't just choose this because I love Noah and he's on the show. I picked this because I was playing this in the car the other day with another musician. They're like, who is this? Like just shocked <laughs> because, you know, especially on this track, I picked this one because you do, you get a, a masterclass on different styles of music. You can hear monk, you can hear like a little bit of free sound in there and then comes back to like some like two hand lines that are really bebop influenced, but you get a little bit of gospel, a little bit of soul, a little bit of everything on this whole album. And it's in duo form with bass and so you're fully naked. Like as a pianist, anytime you're just by yourself and you don't have a bassist or a drummer, well, he has a bassist, but if you don't have one of those, you're just a little bit more exposed. And as, as you know, that just means you have to pick up the slack a little bit. You have to do more, but he does it so tastefully. And Henry is an amazing player too, that just plays his butt off on the bass. He's so lyrical and keeps the groove. And there's just so much I can say about this album, but I know we need a long time. So yeah. I do want to say Henry Lugo also appears on one of the shows that we, if you go on our website now, there's a, a kind of a digest or, or a list of sort of a getting to know you if you had never heard of our show before. And one of those is a live jazz show that we did at Watkinson School. And Henry Lugo was the bass player for that one, too. So I'm well acquainted with him, or at least somewhat acquainted with him. So, Gene, what do you think of this young upstart, Noah Behrman? Well, well, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but one of the things that I'm, I'm really really feeling more this year, I don't know why, more than any other, is just how, just the sheer joy and dialogue and the exchange to the point where, well, yeah, one's playing the piano and one's playing the bass, but it's like they're not just trading phrases, they're also trading places in terms of, of, of just sort of keeping, extending, stretching time. And as Jen sort of says, it's ingenious, but the ingenuity never gets in the way of the openness, the way it invites you in. This Noah Berman, Berman, whatever he is, whoever he, he is, has, yeah, yeah, he has, he has quite a bit of promise, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, he, he may amount to something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. just very quickly, this will probably get cut in post, but I want to just bring it up anyway. So first of all, Noah, it's a lot of fun, and and yeah, it sort of goes Thanks, back to guys. What, it goes back to what we were saying about Samara Joy too. You think, oh, really? Do I want to hear Caravan again? Oh no, it turns out I do want to hear Caravan again. This is really cool. <laughs> but a couple of the last cuts are Creepin' by Stevie Wonder, and then there's Tom Waits' tune. And this is what's going to get cut in post, but I want to ask it anyway because it's been on my mind, which is why I like I love Tom Waits. Tom Waits. There's going to be a Tom Waits song when I die at my memorial service. That's how much I like Tom Waits. Whoa. But I'm always intrigued by why jazz people are attracted to him because they don't you know, it doesn't it's not obvious to me, but it's sort of he's he, everybody sings him. You find like some jazz singer in Sweden and she's got covering a, a, a Tom Waits tune. I don't know. Is there something about his music that I'm not entirely seeing that lends itself to jazz? I'd say yes and no. I mean, certainly there's a hipster quality and a lot of his work in the 70s overlapped with some of the L.A. cool jazz scene, even down to some of the musicians he used and, mm -hmm. you know, some of the aesthetic choices of what kinds of instruments are on the records and so on. That said, my choice of this tune was entirely based on a fondness for this tune coming 
oh, if, if at all related, only tangentially related to my life as a jazz musician. It's just off the record spoiler. Uh, all of these are like love songs that I associate with Kate. And I wanted to end with something lyrical and straightforward. Right. The song, by the way, is, is, is I Want You. I don't know if we said that. So that, that all tracks with what you just said there. All right. So we've got, uh, we got just one to go. And certainly not her debut on the year in our favorite jazz or the Seymour Awards or whatever we're calling them. This is Seal McLaurin Salvant. It's one of the mayor's picks from the album Ghost Song, the song by Gordon Sumner. <laughs> That's Sting's real name. Until. If I caught the world in a bottle and everything was still beneath the moon without your love would it shine for me if i was smart as aristotle and understood the rings around the moon What would it all matter if you loved me? Here in your arms, where the world is impossibly still. This is not the first time you have brought a Cecile McLaurin Salvant album to us, Mr. Mayor, but tell us about this one. She's once again combining some of her originals with work by other songwriters like this Gordon Sumner fellow. I will do the dull journalistic thing by, once again, for those who do not know who she is, and it exasperates me somehow that there are still people who don't know who she is. She is the finest and most adventurous jazz vocalist of her generation. By of her generation, yes, I'm talking millennial slash Z or whatever fringe you want to use, because as this album once again validates, she keeps changing the game. She keeps extending the risks. And the risks here is that she takes more emotionally variable material, some of which, again, she writes, to talk about all kinds of things. And she's very sensitive to the tensions of the present day. One of the songs that she has takes that that little ditty that Dorothy and, and, and the others in The Wizard of Oz used to skip their way to the home stretch towards the Emerald City. You're out of the woods, you're out of the dark, you're out of the, you know, all that stuff. And she does it in a kind of a sing-songy, you know, chipmunky way to sort of get into this the way we've all been grasping for some kind of relief for the last six years. And then settles into a song by uh, Greg, um, Greg Porter. Greg Porter, yeah. No, no Love Dying which levels it off somewhat, but also delivers you to a much greater and more hopeful place than the kinds of things you're talking yourself into. It's a very complex use of both the classic song repertoire, but also of her own you know, personal sensibility. And that's why when she takes chances like this and almost completely pulls it off, she bears watching and also bears all the honor she deserves for this. So, yeah, Jen Allen. I mean, it is sort of interesting to have a, ja- a new jazz vocal star. There are a lot of really good jazz vocalists, but it's tough to break out. There just There isn't even really the model to create a new Tony Bennett or something. But we have one here. So what are your thoughts? She's an artist. She's a, a deep artist who is really bad likening to something, but like, 
It's like if you go to maybe Old Navy or something and you pick out a sweater there and you, you, you wear it. It's trendy. It goes out of style the next season, maybe gets holes, it wears out easily. But maybe you go to a store where you have to pay a little bit more money, but the sweater will last you 20 years because it's so well made and made. And I kind of feel like that. Like there's nothing really fleeting in her singing. There's something that just has a depth, like she's going for something that doesn't have to do with selling records or becoming popular or being on TikTok. Doesn't mean that she won't do that stuff. But I'm just saying that when I hear an artist and they love the music, it shows and it has a something that connects me back to the earth. And I love that. No, it's very beautifully put. I, lo- I love that whole analogy. It was yep. great. So Noah, you're going to get the last word. You probably would like to shout out. We, we do a certain amount of Hartford log rolling around here only because jazz was inve- invented in Hartford, Connecticut. I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that jazz was invented here in Hartford, Connecticut, but we do have somebody who learned to play here in the community who's playing on this cut. Alexa Tarantino playing flute here. Yes, a Hall High graduate. Yeah, I, I was really moved by this album. And I guess... In a way, it sort of comes back full circle to... It, it is one of the albums, like the others that I picked, the Carmen Lundy especially, where I was really struck by the emotional vulnerability in it. And I've been impressed from the beginning with Cecile's technical mastery and breadth of artistry. But I feel like increasingly, I, as a fan anyway, am, and I guess as a musician too, am primarily interested in things that have a degree of real emotional vulnerability that invites me into those ambiguous but vital places of human experience. And this album really does that. All right. Well, it's time to sign off here, although there's so much more great music to talk about. And I wish we had time with our wonderful panel, Jen Allen, Noah Behrman, and Gene Seymour. I hope you've enjoyed this. We're going to have a Spotify list up on our website for the show. So listen to that and listen to some other stuff and pick out a musical sweater that you can wear for the next 20 years. Thanks for listening today. So we could ride until the stars grew. Until